everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is with the wonderful Negi who's currently a third year dental student studying abroad in Stockholm, Sweden and in today's episode she tells us about her experience of applying to dental schools in the UK, dealing with rejection and then eventually deciding to study dentistry abroad. excited to announce that this episode is very kindly sponsored by Enlighten. You may have seen me rave about them on my social media channels. I get so many questions about teeth whitening, which brand I recommend and how I personally whiten my teeth. And the answer to all those questions is Enlighten. What's really special about Enlighten is that they guarantee a B1 shade. For those of you that don't know, B1 is the brightest natural shade of teeth that we have. And the great thing is that there are no dietary or lifestyle changes with Enlighten, so you can continue to drink your coffee and still lighten your teeth, which was the biggest selling point for me personally. For more information about Enlighten, please check out my social media. And now without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi Negi, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good, Shadi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. So I think this episode is going to be a very exciting one because as long as I've been on social media, people have been asking me whether it's worth studying dentistry abroad um, or whether they should stay in the UK to study it. But before we get into all of that, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please. Okay, so it's kind of a long roundabout story, so I'm going to try and keep it as brief as possible. Um, But so let me just start from the beginning. Like I'm 18 years old. I don't know what I want to do. Medicine, dentistry, flipping between the two. So I end up doing biomed um, at King's College and I graduate there. Um, I graduate from there even. And then halfway through that degree, I realized like, oh, dentistry is so interesting because I was on the campus same campus as all the medics and all the dentists and like my first next door neighbor in halls she was studying dentistry and she's now a dentist and I kind of saw what they were doing and I had grown up with a lot of dentists in the family but I had kind of like always pushed it away um just because I wanted to be different (laughs) and I never kind of explored it um until I got to uni at King's and I started all looking around and thinking this this actually could be for me you know um and then I I graduated and I started applying I um to British dental schools and I ended up only getting uh one interview at King's and then got rejected and uh so that didn't go very well for me so I started to think about other options and um I had always had a connection with Sweden because I'm actually born here um but I grew up in England so like I moved we moved to England when I was like one so I never uh had too much of a connection like I yeah I wasn't I didn't grow up here or anything um and my parents kind of suggested well you know Sweden is always an option like there's such a good education there it's um it's uh free for EU citizens um obviously with Brexit and stuff it's it's a different case now um but uh so I was like okay but the the main obstacle was um that I would have to learn Swedish first um before I could even apply uh to the dental school so I had always kind of thought to myself that I was destined to move away um from England um I was kind of had the itch to get away so I was like 
umming and ahhing. I was quite young, didn't really think about it too much. And I was just like, let's go, let's do this. Wow. <laughs> um, and now I'm here. I learned Swedish. Uh, went to Swedish school for about a year. Uh, yeah, it was a year. And I had to redo, I had to do physics because we, we can drop physics at GCSE. Uh, you know, I didn't carry it on for A-levels or anything, but that was one of their um, requirements here because their um, high school education system is completely different. Um, so I had to do physics, completed Swedish, and then I applied and I got uh, I got in. So here we are. <laughs> oh, wow. The, see, the thing that I can't get over, that whole story is insane, but the whole thing, the, the most important thing I can't get over is learning Swedish because now your dentistry is all going to be Swedish like people who are bilingual speak multiple languages like I speak two languages I'm not that talented right but my dentistry is in English and I can't think of my dentistry in Farsi like I have family members that ask me about their teeth and I'm literally like I look like an idiot because I don't know what I'm saying so <laughs> like, how study? <laughs> honestly like I sound like a child I sound like a school child but how how do you learn Swedish like in a matter of what a year before you apply like dentistry is hard enough as it is even <laughs> if it's in English like let alone in a completely different language I when I when I was doing it I didn't think about it too much and I still don't think it's that much of a big deal like I don't know what's of course wrong you with don't me, but, uh, <laughs> like I'm not sure but the thing is I we you know in in school in England we learn like French and Spanish and yeah. comparing Swedish to those languages you can't Swedish is such a I don't want to like I don't want to sound ridiculous but Swedish is kind of like a a, a much easier language to learn um it doesn't have as much grammar it's quite simple the only thing that throws people off is the accent um but it's it's quite uh logical um in some senses I would say it's quite a basic language in terms of vocabulary so that goes quite quickly but um yeah I wasn't obviously Swedish school doesn't prepare you for like scientific uh mm. sweet dental Swedish that was a yeah. huge learning curve like I can't lie in first year, I was panicking. I was thinking to myself, like, am I am I really doing this? Like, I'm either in yeah. or out at this point. Am I really yeah. doing this? But you just have to go for it. And I was so blessed with such helpful people around me hmm. uh, in my year. And, you know, I, I you really have to kind of put yourself out there and be like, listen, I have only learned Swedish for one year. Like, just be honest with people and, like, hmm. they'll help you out. But I did feel like my personality the biggest thing wasn't the studying because it's so much theory in first year you can kind of take your own time you can always have google translate next to me if I needed it um but the main thing was making friends and your how your personality changes in mm -hmm, a different mm -hmm, language mm -hmm. so then I can kind of chat for years and years and years and I guess I'm kind of funny I don't know <laughs> but, <laughs> but like in Swedish I was like this shy like suddenly 18 year old girl that didn't know how to like handle yeah. social, social situations yeah. anymore um so that was like the biggest learning curve um but my main worry was number one making friends and two would I actually be able to communicate with my patients mm. um it wasn't like passing exams or anything like that because you you just do it you you make it through but the actual communication like interpersonal relationships which is such an important part of dentistry that's mm -hmm. the main thing I was worried about 
Yeah, do you know, I couldn't agree with that more because I had a similar situation with Iran and England that you did mm. with Sweden and England. So I mm. was born here. I went back when I was one month old and I grew up in Iran. Mm. I came back when I was 11 and my entire family spoke very good English. My parents studied here and my brother was just a genius. So he spoke full English. <laughs> I didn't speak anything like I didn't speak a, like literally just high. And when yeah. I went to school, I was 11. So I, I think I just started year seven. And the biggest thing for me was just getting my personality across because back yeah. home, I was like this bubbly, like outgoing mm-hmm. person who was friends with everyone, who was funny yeah. or tried to be funny. But here I was like, I literally don't know what to say. Like it was such yeah. a shock. Um, and when you're in those social situations of even just being at school, it's so important to yeah. make relationships with people. Um, and it was so difficult it was so so difficult and I guess when you were younger it's easier but at 18 yeah. I can imagine going through it so you've done really yeah. well <laughs> thank you thank you but I wish I was 18 that's the thing I was like I was 24 when I started Swedish dental school oh. um so like I was like a fully fledged adult with a whole network in England and uh you know I developed my personality so I wish I was 18 and yeah you know still trying to find my feet and stuff so yeah I I mean I completely agree with you like that is definitely the toughest part but I didn't know that you grew up in Iran that's so interesting Charlie yeah yeah that's really cool wow look at us I know (laughs) super (laughs) multi So I've gathered from uh just basically like not knowing you very much but I gathered that your dad is a dentist and yes. he also studied in Sweden is that right yes actually both so, of my parents are dentists and oh, they really? both studied in Sweden and met oh, wow. at the same uni I'm now studying oh that's at. so sweet <laughs> do you feel do you feel the pressure to find your soulmate at dental school now <laughs> yeah, like where is he <laughs> You still have a couple more years to go <laughs> yeah I should have met across the clinic by now but unfortunately not (laughs) we still have a few years to go Um, how much of how much of your parents like how big of an influence were they on you because I imagine if they both studied dentistry in Sweden Mm. it must have Mm. been a big influence Mm. on you I know you tried to sway from it by doing biochemic kings but then eventually I guess you were like do you know what I'm I'm gonna go down the same path yeah I think that honestly they're so inspiring I I didn't realize it until I was an adult um the weight a dentist has in a community Mm. Mm. Uh, especially in a small town where I grew up Um, they're actually retiring now this year and their patients are so devastated it's it's so crazy like when you find a dentist that you love it's like finding gold you know Um, so and just the way that they handle their clinics their staff the the way they uh had such a huge impact on people um that was the most inspiring thing to me and uh I mean I think they're brilliant dentists but I'm biased obviously (laughs) um but once again it's just like the relationships that they have formed and also coming from an immigrant background and inserting themselves into like a very British community and doing it successfully I find that incredibly inspiring and I will always like hold them as like my some of my biggest inspirations ever to be honest with you yeah do you know what I agree I think 
I think we're always inspired by our parents, but it's not until you get in the similar situation exactly. where you have more responsibilities and you're actually an adult that you truly appreciate how hard it is like I've been yeah. thinking about growing up and like getting married and having children and things now at yeah. this stage in my life yeah. and I'm like how how did my parents work like full-time jobs having children like I can just about manage my own life like how am I going to be exactly. responsible for other people <laughs> you know? exactly. like it's but insane other human beings yeah and to also make them into just good people yeah. is difficult yeah I know yeah, it's hard I mean it's hard it is crazy so yeah. have they been helpful in day-to-day dentistry? Because I remember one of my best friends at dental school, her dad is a dentist mm. and he has two dental clinics. So for her, it was relatively straightforward. If she ever had problems, she would go to her dad. When she graduated, obviously she had a job waiting for her and there's that legacy yeah. that she's going to continue. So yeah. you mentioned your parents are retiring. I mean, are there plans yeah. for you to take over their practice and their patients yeah. and things? No. Um, so they're actually... Um, this is kind of where I get the itch gene from like traveling and stuff like that is from my parents. Um, they're actually, they've sold the clinic. They, they're not expecting me to take over or anything like that. They've sold it to somebody completely different, um, which is kind of nice in a sense. That means I can kind of create my own path and Mm -hmm. they, uh, they fully appreciate and respect that. And, um, that, you know, that takes me to what am I going to do after Sweden and, Am I am I going to stay in Sweden? Am I not going to? Am I going to go back to England? Even though my parents are retiring and maybe moving away from England, um, but day to day dentistry, yeah, of course. Like, I ring them up if I have a problem. My dad, <laughs> he loves. Like, I think my dad is a brilliant teacher. Is a brilliant, brilliant teacher. Yeah. Um, so he is always so patient with me and always wants to explain things, even if I don't ask, you know, <laughs> he's just like so, so helpful. Um, but it's a bit difficult. Like a couple of my friends in uh, in uni, their parents have clinics and, you know, they go and they have a summer job at that clinic and they get a lot mm. of hands back and stuff. And I think that that's amazing. And I, I would love to do that as well, but obviously I'm in a different country to my parents mm-hmm. so I can't really take advantage of that um but yeah there's always FaceTime and if I have a few questions <laughs> and it's more so like when I get worried you know why am I not immediately good at this mm. please yeah. <laughs> why am mm. I struggling why am I not getting these preps right when everybody else are getting these preps right mm. you know and to talk to dentists to actual dentists who have been out there for like 30 40 years working and then when they say you know it's important now the teachers have their own standards and when you come out things are a little bit different sometimes you're not being graded by a teacher it is a little bit more like uh flexible um but right now you just have to go through the motions and you're you know it's just like very comforting advice when it comes from somebody Mm. who has much experience so it's more in terms of that stuff that I um I go to them for yeah and you know what the reality of dentistry is so different to dentistry at uni because at uni they're literally criticizing every single thing under a microscope whereas Mm. in in practice you'll find that there's so many other factors that go into it it's not just your prep it's your patient management it's money how much are you going to charge it's your time Mm. it's your nurse Mm. it's the materials Mm. like there's so many things that go into it that actually all of that starts to kind of you start to get perspective and um, when you realize how many other things there are that go into it 
Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to you actually applying to uni for, for people yeah. who would might be considering studying dentistry ab- abroad as mm. an alternative option, what, what was the procedure like? Where did you get information from? Because even though your parents studied in Sweden, I imagine yeah. the process has changed a lot since they qualified. Yeah, it has changed quite a bit, actually. Um, but, you know, Google is your best friend. <laughs> I <laughs> like... I googled everything and they have like um universe they have a UCAS system kind of um it's a lot more lenient than UCAS it's less uh rigid do you want me to take you through how you apply or do you want a me general to concept like yeah. like for UCAS we know that you have for example five options four of them can be yeah. dentistry the other has to mm-hmm. be you know we do for example UCAT there's your A-level grades just the general yeah. um process of yeah. what it involves Okay, so in Sweden, it is completely different. You actually have um, three or four different ways you can get into uni, three or four different groups that you can put yourself into. um, And that's through a site called University Admissions, translated into English. It's like a UCAS uh, system. Um, And you can be in every single one of these groups um, to like heighten your chances of getting in, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, So one of those groups is just pure grades. So like um, your grades get converted into a point system. And if you have, you know, obviously it depends what the average points will be like, uh, depending on who applies each year, um, how high the boundaries are and stuff. So if you have the grades um, and you're above the boundary, then you're automatically gonna get in, you're done. So that's one of the cohorts. Um, a second cohort is um, like a general um, general knowledge uh, test. So it's like math, science, mm. Swedish language, English language. Um, so you do that, that gets converted into a point. Um, and then if you're above the boundary again, then you'll get in. So these are two completely separate cohorts, but you can be in both. Um, the third cohort, um, the third cohort is actually... Um, applying through um it's called tapil so basically what you do is you go to the school you have to write like an essay um and then um about a certain subject you have to write a motivational letter and then also you have an interview um, so would you say that's similar panel. to the personal statement interview kind of process that we do exactly okay. exactly exactly um Uh, but you don't need like any work experience you don't need anything like that I mean it's a bonus obviously if you say like I have Mm. been looking at you know uh, been looking at this career and I've gone to this this and this and seen that this is right for me yes it's a bonus but it's not like a concrete requirement like for like a standard you know Mm -hmm. Um, they really tend to look at the personality of people and they try and the thing with Sweden it's such a socialist country that they really try to even out the playing field Mm. that's why they have so many different cohorts and that's why everybody can be in as many as they want Mm. and apply to just like uh, increase your chances of getting in basically so yeah yeah that's really good um, I feel like here is if you for example if you if you're not very good with interviews then you've kind of blown your chances if you have good grades but you can't do well at interviews that's basically your chances gone so it's good to have the other options yeah exactly and like if you mess up the UCAT Mm. then your chances are gone as well I just think it's it's uh, so much better to separate all of those things and do them well and like not all of your chances hang on to like one application you know Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then in Sweden, also, you have 10 choices. Uh, you don't have uh, just five. Um, I mean, I don't think we have even more than 10 dental schools. I think we have. Yeah, I was going to say, how many do you have in Sweden? <laughs> I think we have school? like maximum, like maximum five, actually. Yeah. Um, so then, but you can mix, like you can apply to medicine as well. You can apply to psychology oh, wow. as well. So it That's is a, a nice flexible system. Because like in the it's UK, amazing. you just do one personal statement. I remember when my brother applied to dentistry, to medicine, mm. he mm. didn't know anything, right? He didn't know anything. Yeah. He didn't have anyone who could help him. And mm. he applied, the first year he applied, he applied to medicine and dentistry. And his yeah. personal statement, that's, by the oh way, for people gosh. who don't know, that's a straight reject if you apply to both medicine and oh dentistry in the UK. Gosh. So in his personal statement, he was like, I love both medicine and dentistry. <laughs> Imagine the people reading, they were like straight reject, like, oh no, God. thank you. No, Good no, to have that no. option. It's really good yeah. to have that option. It's it's really it's an amazing system. And that's one of the main things that I love about Sweden yeah. is that they really give everybody a chance. So you're about halfway through now. So you're midway uh, through your third year. So, mm-hmm. so yes. more than halfway through. Um, mm-hmm. How have you found it? Talk me through the years, because, for example, when I did dentistry uh, back a few years ago now, it's almost, oh, my God, it was 12 years ago that I started. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, very, I'm giving away my age now. So um, <laughs> first year was very much theory. Second year, we started in the labs on mannequin heads and then mm-hmm end of second year we started seeing patients and from the end of second year onwards it was pretty much very patient clinic based with a bit of theory and then exam so how how is the structure of the the course in in Sweden uh so first year is the same it's like mainly theory um everybody getting you know that same base level of knowledge um and then second year we start with um we start with radiology patients um in the first term so a lot of our theory is covered in first year and then second year is theory and patient so that's the most intense year mm-hmm. I would say I haven't found third year as intense as second year um so we start with radiology patients uh towards the end of the first term of second year so we start with patients quite early um and then we start with um Obviously, we start with mannequin heads uh, mm-hmm. in radiology um, and then we quickly switch over to patients. So that was kind of like my first patient contact. And I still can't still don't forget the patient's face. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> I was like, it's so funny because you think it's the biggest deal ever. Um, yeah. And then you get to actual clinics and you're like, oh, that was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah. That was nothing. Um, so then. <laughs> Second year, it's a lot of, um, yeah, so then we start with um, cariology and the beginning of the uh, second semester of second year on mannequin heads, preclinics, labs and stuff. And same with perio. Uh, And then we quickly switch over to patients again. So we had patient contact very early from second Mm -hmm. year. Um, And then, uh, yeah, it's balancing a lot of theory, as I said, and then third year it's um uh prosthodontics and endo preclinics um in the first term um and then we're carrying on with our like uh, general clinics with our patients of course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then uh we're actually starting with endo patients really soon uh, i think it's next week actually so we have one term of endo preclinic and we go straight to patients uh, we i haven't we haven't got prosthodontics patients yet because we're still in the labs for that 
um and then what else have we got um yeah uh, we've got um tooth extractions so we started with patients uh, extracting teeth already, which is like, it blew my mind. Like, am I actually going to take out somebody's tooth right now? <laughs> like, Have you I've done it yet? I've only done a few fillings. I've only done a few fillings. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> have you done your first extraction yet or not yet? Uh, yeah, I have. I have. I've done my first extraction, but I was nursing somebody. Um, but obviously we're helping each other um, yeah. the whole time and stuff. Um, but I, it wasn't actually like my patient. So I'm kind of uh, waiting for that to happen. My first patient that I was supposed to extract, he didn't turn up. So Oh, gosh. We always have someone who faints on the extraction clinic. And it's usually the boys. <laughs> usually the boys. <laughs> oh, my God, boys. <laughs> they can't handle anything. <laughs> so make sure you're hydrated and well-fed and everything um, okay. before you have your extraction. Okay, something I do yes. still to this day, make sure I'm hydrated and things, because otherwise oh I'll faint. <laughs> Okay, I'm definitely going to take that advice on board. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what's cool. the structure of the exams like? Because here we had um, like standard exam papers. We had mm. Vivas, we had OSCEs, yeah. we mm. had um, for our final year, we had what was called the seen case and an unseen case. So you have someone, mm. um, a, you have a patient that you look after, you do lots of different treatments on and you present that case in your final year. Yeah. And you have an unseen case where they basically give you some a, a patient or a scenario and they ask you to deal with it there and then and mm. I'm pretty sure it's similar in most most dental schools um they change yeah. it slightly but it's very similar so what's the structure of the exams like in Sweden uh so obviously you have like the standard theoretical exams it's kind of the same for everybody and then we have like OSCE like uh exams um and then we have these things called work-based assessments during clinics where we have to, so for one of them, a teacher comes in and examines how we, um, let's say, for example, how we give advice on um, the the, um, the patient's like eating habits mm-hmm. um, and how we give advice on that and how we explain things to the patient. Or we had another work-based assessment on how we actually do the filling um, and uh yeah so we have those uh and then say for endo we have like how we use the files they come in and they check our technique and Mm -hmm. we have those during clinics which are actual Mm -hmm. course requirements and if you don't get those signed off then you don't pass the course basically so um we have those types of exams um which we can do at any time during the term um but they are a course requirement um and then what else we have prep exams did you guys have those too? I think so. Like now thinking yeah. back, it, like what you were saying, we had the continuous mm-hmm. assessment as well. So during clinics, they'll mark you on certain things and yeah. we'd have like even papers about how to do like a removable appliance for ortho or that kind yeah. of thing. And, yeah. and we had requirements in terms of, for example, you did X number of canals or X number of extractions and things that mm-hmm. we had to we had to meet as well. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly so I think it's pretty much the same and then you know presenting cases I think that will come later on mm-hmm. um uh when I'm in you know in like the final years of dentistry but say we want to sign off a patient um then we have to obviously present the case and mm-hmm. say you know, this patient doesn't need to be with us anymore we can just hand them over to the mm-hmm. hygienist that day um instead um so yeah I think it's honestly pretty much the same one one thing that's not the same is uh how we're graded um in Sweden the 
so the theoretical like all exams that pass or fail we don't get like there's no like I'm not sure how it is in England like maybe so you get pass merit or distinction Uh uh-huh yeah exactly but here it's just pass or fail but our pass boundary is usually around the 70 percent mark oh wow yeah so it is completely different and um, 70 percent for a pass yeah like all our theoretical exams yeah so basically you all you all graduate with a with a first or with an an (laughs) honours basically (laughs) (laughs) but I would honestly say that I think the exam uh kind of style here is a lot easier and they give people more of a chance to pass like we have a plethora of like old exams like a library of old exams mm-hmm. um and they're usually quite similar to the exams that we get so I mean it, it's kind of easy I wouldn't say easy to pass it's difficult subjects obviously but mm-hmm. they give us the best chance more they resources can. yeah yeah much, so many resources and then mm-hmm. We get um, the thing with uh, God is re-exams. How do you say that in English? Retests, uh, retakes, <laughs> retakes. Yeah. retakes. Oh my gosh, retakes. So, you speak uh, too many languages. That's your the problem. Way you do that, I'm just flexing right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. I swear. <laughs> um, so retakes. Um, so when I did biomed, if we had a retake, then we would get capped at forty immediately. You know. Um, we would uh, get capped, our grade would get capped. Whereas here, um, if we take a retake, we can, there's no capping, obviously. And we can, and we, we can take, we can retake an exam like three times. Wow. They're so, they're so lovely. They're so lenient. They just want you to pass. Yeah. Um, They're not trying to catch people out. Obviously you have like a lot of, you have a a couple of teachers that maybe are a bit more mean, but I do feel like the The system itself. It's quite the system itself, yeah. it wants you to succeed. Yeah. 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 I didn't feel that here, to be honest. We had so no. many, like in our first year, we had 60 students in our year. Yeah. Um, we had, a, we had quite a small dental school, so 60 was like the maximum. And I think they mm. they they took more students that they could. So our mm. first year exams were incredibly difficult. Half the year yeah. failed. They had to mm. reset those exams. And of the 30, for example, that retook those exams half of mm. those failed the year so they either got kicked out or they had to reset I think three of them they allowed them to reset the year the rest uh, they all kicked out it was so crazy like and and, and from our first year was intense uh, but yeah. then from then on I feel like they were a bit more lenient like if you were struggling with requirements they would try and help you out yeah and things but first year was intense because I, I think particularly because they took too many students on and they had to kind of filter mm. it down but imagine the people that got kicked out like that's that's not easy for people to go through the process and start and it just wasn't very nice I don't think no I don't think it's fair either because nobody Mm. performs well under stress under that type of stress and these these are like these are some of them young like 18 year olds young you know you've you've struggled so hard through a levels and then the UCAS system to then get kicked out of dental school yeah and the first year you're just finding your feet like university is very different to school so the the Mm -hmm. way you have to and suddenly you have the social life you have some of them might be moving away from home so there's so many factors that could affect your performance in first year so I don't think it was fair it's very difficult um this brings me on to my next point actually so you studied um biomedicine here before you did dentistry in Sweden so you were a postgraduate student essentially 
Mm. Um, how did your how does dentistry now compare to you being an undergrad do you feel like you're more mature do you feel like everyone else around you is is really (laughs) immature because they're going through that university (laughs) experience for the first time whereas for you it's like been there done that now I'm here to to learn and be serious How, how, how has that experience changed for you I think the first time that I was in uni, it's such a whirlwind and people underappreciate how fast uh, or underestimate how quickly the three years go by. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So now I'm really trying to kind of squeeze out every single opportunity I can out of uni because it's such, it's not, you know, it's not the real world. And you are given so many opportunities um, to be involved in the school, to be, you know, to really make changes, to make a ton of different friends, relationships, networks, and kind of live that student life. So I feel like I've honestly got a second chance um, of living that kind of like student life, but in the way that I really want to, because I know exactly what I want out of the experience this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then second of all, it's just like stress management. Um, I know, you know, where my, obviously is dental school, like, it's impossible not to be stressed yeah it's (laughs) It's impossible not to be stressed but the way then now I kind of like know my limits a bit more and how say like how last minute can I actually be for this Mm. one um Mm. or what does what needs a bit more time what is my learning style um uh what's important to me when I'm uh revising for exams and stuff like that um And then another main difference I would say is that I am completely sure that this is what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge difference that I see with people that have just graduated from high school. Um, It's just a bit more shaky, um, I would say. Um, That's generalizing completely. Um, But those are just a few examples of the differences that I see basically do you know I think it's really good that dentistry is your second degree because like you're mm-hmm. saying with the opportunities for example when I first qualified everyone was like you need to make sure you get published you do research you do mm-hmm. this and when I was at uni I was just trying to make it through I was just trying to have exactly. fun make friends get through my exams I didn't care about joining the you know to different societies whereas I feel like a lot of people who were post-grads like mm-hmm. literally from their first year or second year, they would be like in the student committee of BACD, which is the British Association exactly. of Cosmetic Dentistry, or like mm-hmm. so that when they qualified, they were already like so far ahead than everybody else. So I think it mm-hmm. really works to your advantage that you are a postgrad studying dentistry because it's a serious oh. topic. It's not, it's not, it's not fun. Like uh. I see my friends who were studying, like when I was at uni, I'd see my friends who were studying other subjects. They had like three months off for the summer. For oh Easter, gosh, they yes. would have like four months off. Like it was a fun degree <laughs> to study. Whereas yeah. for us, it was just like, what did we have? Like for summer, we had maybe two weeks, three weeks. And even then we had to revise like uh, exactly. this degree. It is. And the thing is, is that you're learning forever. You're, it's mm. not like, okay, I'm going to learn this and then I'm going to forget about it. No, you're learning actual skills that you need to apply for the rest of your life because you have people's health in your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a completely different type of learning when you compare yeah. to other degrees like that. Yeah. Um, but it's so nice to kind of hear you say that you think that being a postgrad is a positive thing because sometimes, you know, I have my days where I look at these 18 year olds who are going to graduate when they're 23 years old 
And I think, my goodness, I am so behind. You know what though? Like honestly, I think when when we're young, and I'm not super old, I put my hands up. Like I'm not, I'm not a grandma <laughs> yet. But I think when you're young, like one, two, three, four years seems like an eternity. Whereas yeah. the older you get, the more you realize actually those three, four years are nothing in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things if they get you to mm-hmm. where you want to be. Like you, yeah. time's gonna pass anyway. You might as well do something that you're gonna yeah. thank yourself for for the rest of your life. You know, so really, yeah. a few years is nothing in the grand scheme of things. So chill, you're okay, you're doing well. (laughs) (laughs) So when you do graduate, what Mm -hmm. what plans do you have? Because for example, in the UK, it's it's a system. You graduate, you have to do VT to get an NHS number. A lot of people uh, will go into an NHS practice or a mixed practice, and then they either stay there or move into private, or they go Mm -hmm. down the hospital route, they specialize. It's it's a clear system in that way. Yeah. Um, what are your plans do you do you know what you want to do when you when you qualify I mean I have a vague idea here they actually took away uh, the VT year uh, the official VT year so when we graduate we kind of we apply to the jobs that we want and if there's a mentor at the practice then great if there isn't then there isn't basically um, but usually when you apply through like into the public system so like the NHS equivalent mm-hmm. um, then you usually do have a mentor um, so I think that I think of, that's what I'm going to do because I feel like that's the best way to really get experience um, so I would really love to graduate and then apply into like the uh, uh, NHS equivalent here um, into a dental practice and yeah kind of get a lot of experience and then we'll see where it takes me really yeah um, that's that's the best that, mentality to have yeah. just be open because I see a lot of people who very early into their dental school training or um you know pretty much straight away they're like I want to do this I want to do that and it's like yeah you really don't know like Mm-mm. my my goals have changed so much since I first like started studying dentistry and when you qualify yes. and when you start doing different jobs something that you thought was you know what you wanted to do you might hate Mm. it like Mm. specializing I thought I wanted to specialize and then I was like actually I don't I don't think I want to do that Uh, and it's not until you go through experiences that get you closer to that goal that you realize actually this isn't for me so it's very good to have an open mind and I think it's unrealistic to go and be like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that because you never know you know it's good to have goals (laughs) but don't be too rigid in them like be flexible Exactly. I completely agree with you. You know, I see people that are saying that, oh, I want to specialize in this when we haven't even done the course yet. Yeah. Like how? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, we haven't even done the course. So how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good to have goals, as you said, but the rigidness, no. It's not, Don't have it's not the right thing. Don't have time. <laughs> so having gone through everything you've gone through, all the experiences mm-hmm. you've had, is there yes. anything looking back now that you think you would do differently or like what would be your advice to someone going through what you were going through when you applied to dental school and got rejected? Um, I would say that a rejection is a very, very good thing um, because it wasn't meant for you. Um, I know this may sound very like higgledy piggledy spirituality. No, I'm all for higgledy piggledy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but my rejection led me to something that was just so much better for me. 
um, and develop my personality so much more than it would have if I had got accepted into dental school in England. I have gained so much more from that rejection that I don't even see it as a rejection. Um, so I would say if somebody is listening to this and, you know, is worried about getting rejected, just embrace that rejection because something much better is going to come along for you that will sit so much right with your timing and your soul. And I know that I say that sometimes I feel behind, but honestly, I have zero regrets. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. such a nice position to be in to say that. But honestly, oh, I, I feel like I <laughs> feel like some people might say it's spiritual, but I 100% agree with you in everything in life, not just your, you know, your professional life or your career or what you study. Yeah. I yeah. think everything happens for a reason. And I think mm -hmm. if you're when you're in that mindset of, you know, going through school, going through exams, applying for difficult degrees like dentistry or medicine or whatever else it's very easy to become demoralized. It's easy to get stuck and be like, I have to get a hundred percent on this test. I have to get an A star. I have to do this. I have to do that. Yeah. If I don't, I'm a failure. It's a rejection. Honestly, no one cares. Like literally no, no one cares. Like the first time I failed an exam in dental school, I was mortified. Like I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Like I was crying for days. I was like, what do I do? Like I'm such a, I'm not used to this, you know? It's like, I'm used to doing well in exams. I'm that person. Like I'm the geek. Like, yeah. what yeah. am I now? But honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. If anything, the people who've gone through failures and rejections, they're much better people. Like they're stronger. Yeah. They can deal with a whole load of stuff that, you know, mm -hmm. I couldn't when I hadn't been through uh, that experience of failing <laughs> yeah. an exam, you know? Yeah. And now when I tell people like grown up people and I'm like, oh, I failed an exam and I cried and I'm like, it's such a big secret. They don't care. Like they don't care. And they're like, oh, so did I. Like I failed so many exams. Like I yeah. remember honestly, when I was going through my first year and I failed a couple of exams, cause it was, it was a hard year. Like a lot of people failed. My GP, I went to see her cause I was incredibly stressed. My GP had actually qualified from Queen Mary as well. And I told, okay. she was like, why are you stressed? I was like, I failed an exam. And she's like, so, so did I. Like, who cares? No one cares. <laughs> and this is like my GP and my family doctor. And she was like, yeah, no one cares. Like, just get through it. Like, you'll eventually pass. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but how comforting was that, hearing it from your yeah. GP? Hearing yeah. it from somebody that's been through it. Yeah. Yeah, for somebody who you perceive as a grown-up who has their stuff together and who's successful yeah. and, like, you know, it's, it's like, it doesn't like failure, rejection. There's so many mm. negative connotations attached to these, yeah. these words, but they don't actually mean anything. If anything, no. it's a positive thing to go through that. A hundred percent. And it's such a, you think it's an external feeling and an external pressure, but actually it's so it's internal. You. Yeah, it's, you. it's literally just us that is putting that pressure on ourselves yeah. and being into each other. So yeah. I, I completely agree. Like, from this conversation I would say like the biggest piece of advice to give to a prospective dental student is literally just watch the way you talk to yourself watch the way you take your rejections be kind to yourself because yeah. it's it really is such an internal thing as you said and honestly like you shouldn't think that you will sail through life without zero failures without zero rejections mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. have done that it means you haven't tried anything new like if you try different things honestly you will fail at some point and then it's fine you just move on and do it differently like it doesn't mean Darcy, anything we're gonna we're gonna trigger so many people to like go and try something new right now like don't do anything dangerous please. <laughs>
No, but like honestly, like new ventures in life, you know, like with so many things. Like I listen back to the podcast now and like the first few episodes, and I was so awkward and I didn't know what I was saying. But like it doesn't matter. You just naturally get better at it, you know, whatever you try and if you start to like write articles, write a book, do whatever, like you're you're mm-hmm. gonna be really, really crap at the beginning and then you'll get better. <laughs> yes. Like it's just the natural yeah. progression of life. Like yeah, okay. 100%. You know, I think the fear of the failure and the rejection puts off so many people from achieving amazing mm-hmm. things in their life and they really just should should just go for it. This yeah. has turned I into a very motivational podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Therapy with Shaldi and Maggie. <laughs> it's so true though like if someone had told me this in my first year of uni I would have saved myself so many like sleepless nights so many tears so many like hair follicles that I lost like (laughs) no but the thing is that is that would we have actually listened probably not until Mm. we had gone through the experience ourselves yeah you know yeah yeah yeah. oh god yeah double (laughs) sometimes Thank you so much for joining me, Negan. It's been such an inspirational and motivational talk this week. Oh, thank um, you so much for me, Shadi. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> my pleasure. And I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure you'll do incredible, incredible things. Oh, thank you so much. You too. <laughs> and even if you don't, like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Life isn't all about success. <laughs> really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things I know I certainly did and as always don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode you can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr Shadi Manicherry I always love hearing your responses and if you have any requests for future podcast episodes please let me know there I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular as always there will be a new episode every week so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode and I can't wait to speak to you soon Thank you.